I could say there are so many ways to serve God, but I won't start with the dad joke. I won't do it. I won't do it. I do want to give an update. Yesterday, the team put together 28 more purses and sewed those, and uh, so good. And check out this picture right here, because here you get a glimpse of Zambia. And how many people have lived in Africa or gone to Africa before? All right, a lot of people in first service, definitely uh, a bunch here in second service. And that purse and those purses are going to an area in Zambia that is urban, poverty. People would say it's the slums, and it makes such a difference. I lived in Zimbabwe. It's one thing to read about poverty. It's another thing to see it firsthand and the difference one purse can make. Uh, you might think a purse is a small thing, right? Like just one purse, are you kidding? I have like five of those. One purse is a game changer on the receiving side. And it's the love of God. I'm so grateful that we're highlighting blessed stories and all glory to God during this series right now because I hear about the amazing ways that you're serving other people. But as we share these stories, I hope you're encouraged and inspired of what we can do together when we realize that God blesses us to bless other people. So keep blessing people, church, right here in Auburn and around the world, and there's no limits to what God can do. We are in a series right now, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beware of the false teaching. That's the message today. Jesus said a couple things about truth. First, he said he is the truth. And then second, he said, the word of God is truth. It is the truth. And then he said, the truth will set you free. Don't you want to know the difference between a lie and the truth? And as we open up God's word today, God opens up our eyes to really see the difference so clearly and to trust Jesus because truth is the bedrock of hope. Hope is always grounded in truth. Let's make sure the foundation is solid in truth today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the many people and gifts and the ways that you're using our church family together. And God, we want to build up. We want to build up not only our church family, but around the sound and the nations. God, we pray today that you would help us to see clearer than ever before the difference between what comes from you and what doesn't come from you. And we will walk in courage together, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. For over 2,000 years, false teaching continues to abound. You are bombarded every week with different voices, different messages, advertising. It comes from many different sources. And how do you navigate what is true and what is false? God's word helps us. It trains us, corrects us, rebukes us, builds us up. We need God's word as we walk through this because ultimately there are lies that are destructive that can take down a community, that can take down a church, and can be detrimental to your own soul. Today, we're going to step out of some lies. We're going to walk in truth because when you walk with Jesus, you walk in truth and you walk in love. Jesus is all about truth and he's all about love. Here's three keys today as we look at this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul's writing a letter to the Corinthians, to people he loves. And the first key is the heart of a protector. The heart of a protector, that's God's heart, is to protect. And the apostle Paul, his heart is to protect. You are a protector. Love protects. Don't minimize your role as a protector. What does it look like here? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 1. I hope you will put up with a little of my foolishness, but you are already doing that. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, 
so that I may present you as a pure virgin to him. Verse 7, was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by receiving support from them so as to serve you. And when I was with you and needed something, I was not a burden to anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied what I needed. I have kept myself from being a burden to you in any way, and I will continue to do so. As surely as the truth of Christ is in me, nobody in the regions of Achaia will stop this boasting of mine. Why? Because I do not love you. God knows that I do. Paul starts out, and it's very clear, direct, transparent, and vulnerable. And he says, I need to do something that's going to look foolish. Have you ever done something knowing that it's going to look kind of foolish? There is all kinds of talk and rumors and confusion. And Paul says, this is going to sound like boasting what's coming, but that's not what I'm doing. What I'm trying to do is provide clarity, because right now there's so much confusion. And Paul does something in this next chapter, in the next two chapters. It might look like boasting. It's not his heart. It's not his motive. It's not his goal. He also says that I love you with a jealousy. It's a godly jealousy. There are two different kinds of jealousy. First, there's a jealousy that's not from God. It's unhealthy. Maybe you've been in a relationship where someone was controlling, someone was manipulating, they didn't trust you, it was based in fear, and it was a jealousy that held you back. That's not the jealousy from God. There's another type of jealousy that's godly. It's when you love someone because love protects, and you want to protect their purity, their devotion, their closeness to God. And Paul loves these people so much, he sees them drifting away from God that he has a jealousy for them. In fact, we read in the Bible that our God is a jealous God, and he doesn't want you to put idols above him in your life. And that's a, really an opportunity for us to pause for a minute and reflect and say, is there anything in my life right now that I'm elevating above Jesus? Does Jesus have first in my life, unrivaled, no question, or is there something that's getting in the way? It can come from an outside source like false teaching and messages and voices and advice from someone else that's not from God, or it can be internal. In my own heart, I'm starting to drift and stumble and choose sin. In my own heart, I'm not guarding my heart, but I'm letting those temptations come and take over and develop patterns in my life. Let me tell you, today is a day where you can repent, you can return to Jesus, return to truth, return to love right here and right now. And have that freedom that comes from truth. There's grace that's greater than our sin. And God wants to bring us back to him, to come back home Paul also brings up the topic of money, which is always tricky. And Paul is bringing up this topic because there's a lot of false perceptions. Paul says here, I didn't accept any money from you. And this is the Corinthians. There were other churches that were giving to him. I didn't accept any money for you, so, from you so that you would not be stumbling you would not have any burdens. You would not have any responsibility. In other words, I'm serving you and it's free. And part of that motive is to point people towards the gospel, which is free for us, but not free. It was not free for Jesus, who paid the ultimate cost. On the cross, he gave up his life. It was not free for Jesus through his shed blood. We have forgiveness. It was not free for Jesus as he was murdered. It was not free for Jesus as he died, but it's free for us. It's grace and not earned. It's not performance 
And when Paul is serving them, there's no money involved. It's a reminder that this gospel of grace is one that God brings to you, and it's a gift, an undeserved gift. Now, that generosity from Paul, well, it's actually a catch-22 and a trap. Because if he doesn't ask for any money, you know what the false teachers are going to say? He doesn't ask for any money because his ministry is worthless. His message is worthless. It's worth nothing. That's why you give him no money. That's why he asks for money. And they try to tear Paul down. Now, on the flip side, if Paul did receive money, do you know what the false teachers would say? Well, he's selfish. He's greedy. He's taking your money. You can't trust him. Don't you know what this guy's all about? He's taking your money. Do you see how either way Paul's going to take the heat? Do you see that there's a cost either way? They're going to slam him either way. Have you ever been in a situation that no matter which way you choose, people are going to give you the business? No matter which way you choose, people are going to beat you up. No matter which way you choose, people are going to misinterpret it. And what you realize is that you can't keep everyone happy. You just can't do it. Paul's going to be mistreated if he does take money. He's going to be mistreated if he doesn't take money. So he makes a prayerful decision. I encourage you in those situations, make a prayerful decision. If you are still trapped right now trying to please everyone, you're going to get frustrated and resentful. If you're still trapped in trying to take the temperature and what do they think and what do they think of me and how are they going to respond and okay, I've got to keep everyone happy. What am I going to do right now? I just don't know what to do. I can't keep everyone happy. You're right. You really can't. So break out of that trap in freedom. Put your eyes on Jesus. Say, my goal is to make prayerful decisions, faithful to Jesus, and I'll trust whatever cost comes, God will be sufficient to help me through it. And that's why Paul shares vulnerability again about finances and what's happening there. And he is a spiritual father to the Corinthians. We have spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers throughout this room right here. What an awesome honor a privilege and a responsibility to be a spiritual father and a spiritual mother. In the same way a parent wants to protect, Paul as a spiritual father looks at the Corinthians and they're drifting from God. They're being duped and they're swaying. They're wandering from God. And so Paul wants to step in as a spiritual father and protect those that are new in the faith, that are confused, that are being misled by false teachers. He wants to step in and those that are vulnerable, he wants to protect them. He wants to lead them back to truth. I am so grateful for what's happening and what God's doing in our church family and the youngest generation. God is changing lives, grace kids, right now as we gather in the classrooms, in our middle school, in high school. God is doing amazing things. We have kids in all three of those groups. When I think about our young adults right now in the life transformation, our international student ministry, I can say what God is doing in our church family for people that are under 30 is truly special in this season. And the reason it's happening is because we have so many spiritual mothers and fathers in this church who are investing, who are praying, who are serving, who are giving, who are teaching, who are supporting, who are providing, so the youngest generation can know and walk with Jesus and experience his love in deep ways. I thank God for the spiritual fathers and mothers in this church who are building up a generation, who are not saying it's about me, but let's build up a generation that is on fire for the Lord. Amen?
That's what God's doing in Corinth, spiritual mothers, spiritual fathers. You know, if you're a parent, a mom or a dad in this room, you're a spiritual leader. You're a spiritual father and mother. And I encourage you to debrief with your kids and to do it constantly and to process and to have those conversations and to go a little deeper. It's amazing how much is taught in schools, on their phones, and by their friends. It's amazing how many voices there are. It's amazing how many false teachers there are in our culture. There are so many currents going against God in our culture. I'm just being realistic. I'm not doomsday. The sky's not falling today. But I'm being very realistic about all the different influences and voices that are happening to our kids every day. And I know uh, for me as a spiritual dad, we have conversations, TV, movies. If we watch a movie together, commercials, I just can't sit back quiet. Now, I could do a sermon every time. I try not to. I try not to. But I'll tell you, when that commercial comes on during the game and they try to glorify getting drunk, I've got to say something that getting drunk doesn't really play out like that. That's not reality. And when I'm watching the show and they keep saying, well, this is luck, aren't we lucky? Oh, another round of luck. Oh, we're so lucky. That's when I've got to step in and say, no, it's actually not luck. Every gift and every blessing comes from the Father above. I just don't want my kids to be walking around thinking that lucky this, lucky that. Why take the glory away from God when it's coming from God? I want my kids to see God's hand and what he's doing and how he's providing and give him thanks and be grateful to God, not walking around talking about luck. And when the show glorifies revenge and someone gets revenge and everyone feels like, yeah, God is revenge. I want to ask the question, is revenge really good? Is revenge really from God? Because here's another movie that just glorified, you go back, you take it, you get what you can, and you give them what they gave to you, and you get that revenge. Resentment, that's right, you get it back. And I just don't want that in my kid's spirit. So if you are a mother or father, one of your primary things is to look after the souls of those entrusted to you. If you're in that role as a coach or a teacher, then those roles that you have, and some people say, well, I don't know, it's just all gonna work out in the end. Jesus is gonna take care of everything, and he will, and he will, but it's a both and. You have a role today. You have been entrusted. People have been given to you by God, put in your life. Neighbors, coworkers, kids, family members. You are the spiritual father. You are the spiritual mother. Lead on, father. Lead on, mom. Lead on. Lead on. That's what Paul's doing right here. And you see that that's his heart wherever he goes. In Acts chapter 20, we see as he's going from church to church because his calling isn't to stay at one church. Sometimes God has people to move around in different places and we've got to hold it loosely and they want Paul to stay, but Paul's listening to God. Now it's time to go. Paul's leaving and he says, keep watch over yourselves in all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and they will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw disciples away from them. There are gonna be people that come into your life to try to draw you away from God. Draw you away from the Bible. Draw you away from Jesus. So stay alert. Keep on praying. Look out for one another. Care for one another. And you know what? A public voice. A public voice. 
Paul had a public voice about truth and lies. Why did he have a public voice? Because Jesus had a public voice about truth and lies. The Savior we follow, trust, and imitate had a public voice, not one of silence and fear, but a public voice about what is the truth. And he declared it in the marketplace. He declared it by the lake. He declared it in the city square. He declared it boldly. Was there a cost? His own life. But he declared it publicly. Some of us have shrunk Jesus and decided that, you know what, I don't need to have a public voice about the gospel, about Jesus and the Bible, about the truth. I'm just going to watch the deception happen. I'm just going to passively watch it happen because I'm scared of the consequences. I want to stay in my comfort zone. I don't want to have a public voice. Jesus had a public voice about truth. And I encourage you as you open up the Bible to study again the life of Christ and how he lived and what he did in a culture that was going the wrong way. He didn't just sit back and watch more TV. He didn't just sit back and get quieter. He didn't sit back and stop loving people and criticizing everyone. He went right into the eye of the storm in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the Jesus we follow. There's no other Jesus. Let's get rid of some idols. Let's follow and trust the Lord. Abide with Jesus and bear much fruit. I'll tell you, my, my wife and I were walking, and I'm so glad to be walking. I am out of my boots. Praise the Lord. Don't want to go back. In Jesus' name, moving forward. So now we're taking what we used to walk for miles. Now we go up and down the block, up and down the block. But we were walking this week, and we were passing a house, and I looked over, and together we saw in the backyard a tree that was crooked, and it caught our attention. We both said, like, has that tree always been like that? I don't know. I can't remember. I mean, in our neighborhood, we walk by trees all the time, and this tree had a serious crooked bent. So I'm the type that peeks over fences, just being honest, being real. So I went over. I was like, well, I got to take a look. And I'm like, well, the foundation looks pretty straight and solid, but there's definitely a crooked alignment on the top half of that tree. You know what we did as we walked past? We thought, hmm, a crooked tree. Wow. I don't know if it's always been like that. Let's just keep walking. You know, the next day caught our attention as we drove by and saw that the tree fell over. The tree fell over and it broke through the fence. Now, it was right next to the house. It could have crushed the house, but it fell through the fence. And you could see it smashed the fence. And we both realized right away we could have said something about the tree. That's what hit us. Because it started, we saw it starting, it hadn't fallen, but we saw it crooked and we stayed quiet. Have you ever seen a crooked tree and stayed quiet? And just thought, well, maybe it's always been that way. Well, maybe that's the neighbor's yard. My yard's over there. It's not going to land on my house, so why would I say anything? Well, I don't want to say something because I might look silly. Have you ever seen a crooked tree and stayed silent? And what happens a week later? What happens a day later? You're going to see so many crooked trees this week. <laughs> Do you know how many crooked trees you're going to see this year? And you know what your temptation's going to be? Let's just enjoy our walk. Maybe it won't fall over. Crooked trees fall over. And God allows you to see the crooked tree before it falls over. Because he wants you to do something. 
He wants you to say something. You're a difference maker. You're empowered by God, not just to watch crooked trees fall down. You're empowered by God to speak up and stand up and do something about crooked trees. Because sometimes the tree falls and breaks. Sometimes the tree takes out a fence. And sometimes the tree takes out a house. And sometimes the tree takes out a bunch of people. So do what you can when you see a crooked tree to stand up and speak up in love and in truth and in the name of Jesus. Do that. This is the heart of a protector. We all have the heart of a protector because love protects. And the second aspect is that there is the deception of a false teacher. In verse 3, Paul says, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. In verse 12, he says, And I will keep on doing what I am doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness, and their end will be what their actions deserve. The devil's real, a fallen, very powerful archangel. And there's a conversation in Genesis 3 where the devil is talking, Adam and Eve, that's the context, and the devil quotes Scripture. There is a real devil, a Bible-quoting devil, that's badly interpreting Scripture. The devil is in Bible quotes and terrible interpretations. And he twists Psalm 91 so that then there'll be a temptation, and that temptation will be to test God. And the, uh, the, the Bible has conversations between the devil and Jesus. And that's where he tests Jesus. And the test is from Psalm 91 to, you know, the angels will protect you. Just go ahead and put God to the test. The angels will protect you. And he misquotes that. The, he misquotes in Genesis 3. The devil likes to come alongside of people and say, here's truth, and let me slip in a little non-truth. The half-truths are the most dangerous truths. So whether it's Jesus or Adam and Eve, he'll come in and he'll look like he's telling the truth. He'll look like he's trying to be generous. He'll look like he's trying to be good. He'll look like he's trying to be moral. He doesn't show up in a red suit with a big tail. He doesn't show up dripping blood. He shows up with a smile and says, I'm your friend, and I'm here to bring out the best in you. And you go, oh, really? Okay. I've heard that, and that's true. I haven't heard that. Oh, yeah, I resonate with that. Huh, is that right? Well, we'll definitely on that. Okay, okay, and you know what? Just a little chocolate on the outside, and we go, okay, half-truth, I'll take it, I'll take it. That's the modus operandi of the devil, and that's throughout. This is how it works. Here's the three phases. First, he'll get you distracted with all the different voices and things going on in life and the pain points, and he gets you so distracted, then it'll be diluted. So now your conviction's diluted, the word of God is diluted, and ultimately, you'll be distanced from God. And so he shows up and distracts. It leads to dilutes, and the end result is distance from God. The devil's main goal is to get you far away from Jesus. That's the main work in your life that he's trying to accomplish. But the one who's in you is greater than the one who's in the world. The, 
God, God will protect you. You don't have to walk in fear and intimidation. Now, in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 14, 14, look at this. Then the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I have not sent them or appointed them or spoken to them. They are prophesying to you false visions, divinations, idolatries, and the delusions of their own minds. They are saying things They say, look at us, we're so spiritual, and they'll bring some content that is not from God. People today will say, I'm so enlightened, this is so spiritual, and the content is not from God. False prophets. Let me tell you, when a prophet says something that's going to happen, and it doesn't happen, you know what that makes them? A false prophet. The Old Testament, one and done. You got people today saying, this is going to happen. You know what? When that doesn't happen, you know what that makes them? a false prophet. People are claiming it's from God. They're spiritual. God's saying it's not from me. Matthew 16, verses 11 and 12. How is it, Jesus says, you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread, you know, the bread you eat, but be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread. Good job, disciples, kind of like us. We eventually, hopefully get it. But against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. What does that tell you? There's going to be many, many religious leaders who have positions and authority and some morality, who can quote some Bible, who are going to say things that are poison. They are yeast. And one lie can destroy your marriage. One lie can destroy your vision and calling that God's given to you. One lie can do so much damage. So be alert. Be alert of the lies and the false teaching. Paul doesn't mince words. He says, servants of Satan. That's what he calls them. I'm not telling you to call anyone a servant of Satan this week. Uh, But I am saying that's what Paul says. I am saying Jesus used the strongest words with the corrupt religious leaders. And they were masquerading, which means changing the outer form. And you're going to need discernment because it gets really tricky with different people and teachers. You need discernment from God, from the Holy Spirit and the Word. Uh, Genesis chapter 3 You know what the lie was to Adam and Eve? That the devil says, if you go down this road and you eat the fruit I'm telling you to eat, you will be like God. And that sounded so appealing because that sounds appealing to our flesh. Oh, you mean I won't need God? Finally, I don't have to read the Bible. I don't have to be filled with the Spirit. I don't have to pray anymore. You mean I'm all self-sufficient? You mean I can take charge? I can grab the steering wheel? I won't need God in my life anymore? I can just step in as the authority and call the shots? Yes, I'll take that fruit. It's the same lie then. It's the same lie today. I want to tell you, we are made in God's image We don't make God in our image. And what I hear so many people saying today is, well, I'm going to take a little bit of this, and I grab a little bit of that, and I'm going to take a little bit of this. And I'm going to make my own thing. This is mine, and this is what I say is true. This is what I say who God is. And I kind of ask, and you're the only one in the world who believes it? Yes, yes. I understand there's a spiritual journey, but don't ever get stuck in the trap of trying to form God in your image instead of receiving what God has revealed. And God has revealed it. You can fight against God your whole life. 
you won't prevail. Or you can receive his kindness and love and come alive. And so some of us need to step out of that battle of trying to be God and instead worship God and let him lead. Trying to just flex harder for the Christian life and say, come Holy Spirit into this broken mess, come and heal and take over and make things right in my family. And that's the battle of Genesis 3. That's the battle of false teachers today. Here's the test for false teaching. Look at verse 4. Say, what is the test? How do we know? Paul says it very clearly, so practical. Um, Before I do that, I wrote this down. This is helpful. An article I read, seven types of false teachers. The heretic who blatantly contradicts God and his word. Then there's the charlatan who's just there to fill his pockets with money. He will abuse and he will mislead people to take more and more of their money, and he's just doing it for the money. That's why he's in the faith space, or she's in the faith space. The next is the false prophet. Who says it's from God? It's not from God. They're not a prophet from God. The next is an abuser. And this one breaks your heart, but how often do we read about someone that's in a church that abuses kids and and sexually abuses kids and just hides behind their position. And we're supposed to act like that's okay and there's no accountability for that. That's the abuser. The next is the divider, gossip and slander. The divider will gossip and slander about people and make it personal or doctrinally try to cause division. Then there's the tickler, the person who just wants to tickle everyone's ears because that'll make the church bigger if I can just tell everyone whatever they want to hear. So they're the tickler. And then the last is the speculator, someone who is not on solid ground. They're just some theory, random theory, more speculation. Just nothing solid there, and and it doesn't even play out. So those are seven types to be aware of. And, And what I tried to highlight here is that deception, ultimately, it undermines what is true and what is best. False teaching tries to undermine who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It tries to undermine truth in God's word. False teaching will always center around the word. And do we say yes to God's word or are we going to reject God's word? And prayer, false teaching will pull you away from prayer. Every time it's going to pull you away from really abiding with Jesus. False teaching will give you a false view of other people. You won't love people from other nations And you know what? You might look down upon people from other ethnicities and cultures if you believe in lies and false teaching. I opened up my phone today and saw seven, ten people were killed in Buffalo. And it was a shooting that was uh, so wrong, so sinful, so racist. Just from what I read, it just looked horrendous. And we live in a culture where people look down upon someone else. It's sin because they're from a different country or from a different culture. That's not how the body of Christ works. Uh, It'll undermine your view of people who are seniors. And you'll think, oh, they're not as valuable. Just let them be lonely. You know, the last few years of their life, it's okay if you don't care for them. Uh, It'll undermine people who are young. It'll undermine people Do you know what science tells us? That little one in the womb is alive and human. Alive and human. That's what science tells us. You know what scripture tells us? That that one in the womb is from God and a gift. And God knits us together in our mother's womb. That's what scripture tells us. You know, personally for me, my parents uh, in college, starting college, my dad was 19 years old. And my mom got pregnant, 
they were stunned. They were shocked. They were taking intentional steps so that that would not happen, and they were mortified as well. What were they going to do starting out in college? And I can say now, I am so grateful that they didn't take my life. I am so grateful. I thank God. They could have said, we didn't want this. We didn't plan this. This is inconvenient. What are our peers going to say? What are our parents going to say? How are we going to make it through school? They could have easily come to the conclusion that this isn't going to be worth it, and I wouldn't be standing here today. I am so grateful that I was given a chance to live. And God has purposes that sometimes we don't sense right away, and whenever we align with God's word. See, this is what's eternal. God, his word, and people. And false teaching will try to minimize those things. But the real teaching and truth from God is that the more you get the truth, the more you're going to have a bigger view of God. You're going to trust his word and you're going to love people more than you ever loved people before. You haven't come close to your potential. And every time you dislodge a lie and you replace it with truth, your heart is going to swell like Jesus for people. And you're going to love investing your time and your talents to serve and build up people. And, and so we come back to what's the, the test for false teaching. And I, I've got to be mindful of time. Let's keep going. Uh, for if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. But I do not think I'm the least inferior to those super apostles. I may not be a trained speaker, but I do have knowledge and we have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. <clears throat> Here's the test. If someone comes to you with a different Jesus, if they say he's only a good teacher, he's only a prophet, if they say he's not the Messiah, he's not the Son of God, he's not the Savior of the world, if they come to you with that message, there you go. That's false teaching. If they come to you with a different gospel, instead of gospel of God, faith alone and Christ alone and its grace. If they tell you, you got to earn it. If they tell you, you got to be religious, you got to do these rituals. That's a false gospel. If they come to you with a message and you take that message and you look at God's word, and that's why it's so important to know God's word, spend time on God's word. There's not a better habit for building you up spiritually because when the false message comes, when you know the truth, you see it right away. How do you know a counterfeit? Because you know what the true one looks like. And when they come with a message, it doesn't line up with this. Even if they say, well, everyone believes it. It's popular. And you feel like, well, maybe it would feel good for a couple days. No, you don't because you're gonna land on truth. Truth. That's false teaching. 1 John chapter 4 in verse 1 says this. 1 John chapter 4, dear friends, <clears throat> do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. What does it say, those three words? Test the spirits. Could you do that? Could you test the messages that are coming and to see whether they're from God? Because many false prophets, just a couple false prophets, no, many false prophets have, have gone out in the world and are in the world today. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even more is already in the world. By the way, Antichrist, meaning against Christ, that spirit 
exists today. And then there's one literal antichrist that will come into the world near the end times. Uh, Jesus said it this way, you'll know them by their fruit. If the theology's off, the lifestyle will be off. And you might not notice it right away, but there's no way that you can have a bad root and good fruit. And when you have a good root, you're going to produce good fruit. You will know them by their fruit. In other words, inspect the fruit. Be a fruit inspector. It doesn't mean that you're better than someone else. You don't walk around you know, with the spirit of criticism and you're pompous and you lift up your nose. No, but you just notice. You notice. And when it isn't right and you get that clue, you don't say, oh, well, it's probably me. The tree's probably straight. If the tree's crooked, don't call the tree straight. And, and you know what? Real will always reveal. Real will always reveal. Sometimes it'll be at the end of someone's life. Sometimes it'll be a day later. But the truth will come out. And so people can't fake it. Uh, religious people, they can't ultimately fake it. They, they just can't because God is the one they're accountable to. And what's real will come out. And so let's be discerning. And these people right here, I would have loved to have been in their committee. False teachers in Corinth. Branding time. We need a name. What should we call ourselves? How about super apostles? I mean, Paul says he's an apostle. We're so much better than Paul. Let's be the super apostles. What if we get some S's on our chest right there? Just super apostles. And they're boasting and they're building themselves up. And Paul says, you know what? I don't have all of your training. I don't have all of your degrees. I'm not always as smooth as you. I don't have the best practices of the rhetoric all the time like you do. You're clearly superior in terms of some of your education. But Paul says, this is what I know. I know God and I know the word. And you can call me simple mind but I'm single-hearted because I know the truth and the truth will set you free. Just give me some sincere people who are humble, who will walk in the truth, who are single-minded and will change the world together. We will change the world together. Give me a group of people boasting about how much Bible they know, how many degrees they have, which seminary they've been to, how many years of ministry they have, how they have it all figured out. That thing won't go very far. Just give me some everyday people who say yes to Jesus like those fishermen and watch what God will do. When I think about our international partners, see, this is a message of empowering. It's not only to discern what's false, but it's also empowering you to live and speak what's true. And I want to share uh, from our international partners, and uh, I thought I, I do have it. It was hiding, but I'm not giving up on it. Uh, there it is. Listen to these stories and be inspired. Sebastian and Gloria, because this is our church family in Slovenia. Gloria was, Gloria was meeting with a lady who had no spiritual background, only questions about Christianity. Gloria was bold in saying what the Bible says, yet allowed the lady to express her views. And it's so important to listen, to understand. And she took that time. The lady began saying how in the last two years she began exploring Christianity more and she explained how she wanted to better educate herself on religion and felt like she needed some answers. She's then come to realize that Christianity makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's so much historical evidence and her beliefs need to change. 
Then another uh, example, this is from Venezuela, Christian and Sarah Rico, and they are translating and recording the Jesus film in four indigenous Venezuelan languages. And more and more people are watching and learning about Jesus. In one language group, they have shown the film eight times. And then there were 105 people who indicated that they now want to follow Jesus. In, in the Pacific Northwest, Don and Elizabeth, they said that there are many Afghan students now and they're signing up and enrolling in their English classes. They're from one of the most unreached tribes in the world. They found out that they're from such a remote and hard-to-get-to village that even in spite of that, God has brought them to a church in Oregon to be loved by Christians and hear the truth about Jesus. Also, there's a Saudi man, and he said he has now read almost the whole New Testament and uh, he's read it all, and he's eager to learn more about Jesus. And one other is from King County here, Tim Clarecoper, who's a chaplain. We have so many partners, local and global. I finished a funeral service, and a line formed to talk with me afterwards. A young man was next in line and told me after the funeral that he wanted to accept Jesus as his Savior. I asked him if he'd like to wait until, you know, I had been able to talk to the other people, and the line dissipated. And he said, actually, sir, I'd really like to do it now. <laughs> so we had that conversation, and he knelt down and he prayed that Jesus would forgive his sins, and he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. We had a television outreach this last week, 19,000 responses. I'm telling you, we live in a time right now where the voice of false teaching is louder than ever, than I can remember. And it's time for us to find our voice and to share the truth in love in a culture that is desperately searching for truth right now. Christian, don't be silent and passive anymore, anymore. You are empowered by God. And going back to the heart of a protector, imagine if you have a daughter, a virgin daughter, and someone's seducing her. What are you going to do? Paul says, this is you, Corinthians. You're my daughter, this virgin daughter, and you're being seduced. And with the heart of a protector, I'm going to step up and step in. We are the bride of Christ Jesus is going to come back. There's going to be a wedding, ceremony, and banquet like we've never seen. God wants to protect us from false teaching that will drain our souls, that will deceive our souls. And so receive the truth today in fresh ways. I want to um, give you an option as we do every weekend to respond here. Uh, make a decision to follow Jesus, be baptized, church family, life group, serve, however God's leading you. Uh, I'll say this, lies lead to worry, pride, lust, impurity, and fear. That's what lies lead to. But truth leads to freedom, joy, love, peace, and power. Here's a couple reflection questions as we prepare to close. Uh, first question, what lie have you been believing about yourself, other people, God, the Bible? What lie have you been believing? And then how do you want to replace that lie? Yeah, I'll invite the worship team to come up. How do you want to replace that lie right now?
What would it look like to replace that lie? And then let me ask you, in terms of your habits, how can you receive more truth during the week? How can you go to the sources of truth and receive more truth? And what would it look like as God is purifying your life, as God is restoring you, what would it look like to stand up for truth and to speak up in love, to speak up like Jesus did, to speak up about the truth and do it in love? We let God work in your heart, in your life today in those ways. Identify the lies, replace it with truth. Return to Jesus, experience restoration. Hold on to truth as you become bold and courageous and as we do that together, the Jesus community. Let's close as we honor the name of Jesus.